today's expert process podcast. The one thing that they are not getting that is hurting them and is just holding them back is the fact that this is a business. It is a business. No one cares how good your film is. It's a business. And if you are not business savvy, if you don't know how to do everything that you just eloquently laid out, your phenomenal film will sit there and collect dust. That was Floyd Marshall Jr., the founder of the Independent Film Association of Philadelphia. Floyd and I met through a film Facebook group. And that's one of the things I love about social media is the ability to bring like minds together. So stick around to find out what Floyd has to say, the valuable information that he has to share in getting your film out there into the marketplace and learning more about what to do and how to become a successful filmmaker right after these messages. Do you know six in 10 businesses will fail within the first five years? First five years. Or 43% of Americans need a side hustle just to make ends meet? Just to make ends meet. Or that it takes 10,000 hours to master any subject? Any subject. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast, where we cut the time to mastery in half with our seasoned pros. And now, from Atlanta, Georgia, broadcasting worldwide, here's your resident expert, Durante Smith. Happy New Year. We are now in 2020. We have just started a new year. We just started a new decade. And I'd like to welcome you to the Roaring Twenties. Now, this is the Expert Process Podcast, and I'm your host, Durante Smith. And it's my job to interview some of the most hardworking, highly successful professionals on the planet. This show follows a 12-week online masterclass at theexpertprocess.com, where you'll learn from start to finish what it takes to make it in your industry, as the program is chock full of professional advice, resources, and even industry contacts to help you get to the next level in less than half the time. As you might expect, the masterclass changes from industry to industry every 12 weeks. Now, the podcast is your introduction. The masterclass is the blueprint, and I'm your guide. Now, buckle up and get ready for the ride. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Airbnb. Now, if you're like me, you like to travel in comfort, style, but also economically when you can. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not keen on staying in someone else's home. That is until I discovered Airbnb, my friend. My very first stay was about six years ago in Santa Monica, California, ironically, during the American film market. I stayed in a beautiful home just 1.26 miles from the beach. And then there was the weekend getaway to Knoxville, which was incredible. Our hosts were top notch. They made breakfast for us. They made um, she actually made lunch, which was, I mean, insane. It was a music festival going on. So there was just great live music. Uh, we had dinner on the uh, river there at one of the local establishments, barbecue joints. And it was just a great experience. Then there was uh, Daytona that we got away for, again, for another short trip. It was about four hours down and back. 
And uh, Daytona was just, it was incredible. Great food, great weather. The beach was just beautiful. And it was the great time of year to go. So one other thing, locally here in Atlanta, we have a ton of just awesome Airbnbs. And then there's the the treehouse here, which I hope to go to very soon and take my daughter to. That's here in Atlanta that you can stay in. And it stays booked out, I think, six months out in advance. So that's one you definitely want to put on your list. Now, I'm a believer in crowd sharing and the disruptor industry. And I love, love, love me some Airbnb. So do yourself a favor and try it out. You can use my promo code to save $55 off your first adventure. Just go to bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb. Again, that's bit.ly bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb for your getaway or staycation today. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show Mr. Floyd Marshall Jr. out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Floyd, tell us about what you have going on up there with your association, with the film festival. Floyd's got a lot going on up that way. And Floyd, uh, first of all, let me say thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure. And it's actually a pleasure to finally speak with you in person. We do a lot of going back and forth on Facebook. Right. But it's, it's nice to actually put a voice to the name. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But what do I have going on right now? Well, as you said, there's quite a bit with the IFAP Awards, which is our major film festival and award show that we hold every year. We're actually going into our fifth year. The way that we like to do the show and as the uh, the founder and creator, you know, I don't I don't like to do anything halfway. So I decided that, you know, we would just uh, take a, a a break this year and then just come back bigger and better in, in 2021. We also uh, have uh, our monthly film showcase, the film collective, and we're actually going to do that January 17th, where we get short films, web series, short documentaries, film trailers from around the world. And we basically have a, a mini showcase for about three hours, you know, just bringing, you know, some indie filmmakers together, you know, things that you wouldn't normally see at a film festival. And, and we screen those every month. And we also have going on the following week, January 24th, a conversation with. And that, if you've ever seen Inside the Actor's Studio, I kind of uh, based it off of that. But what we do is we get five female entrepreneurs of color. And they can be uh, content creators or own, you know, any type of business dealing with film, media, content creation. And we sit down and we basically talk to them about how they got started, what it takes to be a woman in this business, what it takes to be a woman of color in this business, and how are they navigating a male-dominated industry and they're actually thriving in it. And so that's basically what I have going on, as well as, you know, we're, we're doing some coat drives. We actually have a coat drive coming up in a couple of weeks for some media kids. So we're busy, man. We don't sit still. So let's digress for a moment, because understand sure. you and I, we know each other. We know each other through Facebook. We know yeah. what we have going on, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But understand this broadcast literally across the globe. 
And so I want to make sure that folks that are not in Philadelphia, that are not in Atlanta, that are not in, you know, Cali or New York or somewhere like that, that may not mm-hmm. necessarily be with, familiar with yourself or what you have going on or myself. I want to make sure all these other folks know exactly what it is that we're talking about that you're doing and gain some real clarity behind that. So as I understand, you're the founder of the Independent Film Association of Philadelphia. Is that correct? Yes, yes, that is my nonprofit. Okay, that's the nonprofit. And then you have mm-hmm. the film festival. Now, are you the founder of the film festival as well? Yes, I'm the founder of <laughs> I'm the founder of everything. Okay, so what's the name of the festival as well? Initially, the name of the film festival was the Philadelphia Independent Film Awards. Okay. And we set it up slightly different from your typical festival because the only films that we screen are films that are nominated. So with a typical film festival, you might screen between 80 and 100 films depending on the size of the festival. But with our festival, the only films that you see are films that are nominated in their prospective categories. So the feature films that you would come to see at a screening, those films are up for best feature film at our award show. Okay. And short films, you know, the same thing. So every film that you see, every documentary that you see, every music video that you see, all of those films are in the running to actually win the Philadelphia Independent Film Award. And um, so I ended up changing the name to the IFAP Film Awards, and that's because we also have the Philadelphia Independent Film Festival which is in Philadelphia. Great guys. They've been around for about 30 years. What was happening was we had filmmakers thinking they were actually submitting to us when mm. in reality they were submitting to the Philadelphia Independent Film Festival. Yeah. So the IFAT Film Awards. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. Hello. Daddy, may I come in? Sure. What's up, sweetie? I just want to say thank you to all your listeners who support my entrepreneurial endeavors. Ooh, nice vocabulary. <laughs> it just means business, Daddy. Oh, I know. Well, thanks to everyone who supports my business. That's awesome. And you can find me at All Things Madison or ThirstyLittleDiva.me. And your motto? We love you just the way you are. Oh, Maddie, that's so sweet. (laughs) Oh, Daddy. Too cute. Now back to the show. Okay, so there was a little confusion that was going on between what was the long-running established film festival there and Mm -hmm. what you have is yours. It's different in the sense that the films that are being nominated are ones that are screening versus most other film festivals you have a ton of other screenings that aren't necessarily nominated. You could have easily 120 screenings, but they're really only going to be 20 or so that are nominated, you know? Yeah, I definitely respect that. Okay. Then you've got the Film Association. That's IFAP. So is there training that you guys offer for local filmmakers, the film producers? Are there things like that to kind of help mold them or give them some sense of direction as to how to get into the industry or what steps to take? We have been working on that, and that has actually been, been very difficult. And you would think that it wouldn't be, but Philadelphia, and I love my city, but it's it's a very interesting city. And 
that is something that we're actively working on because I feel very strongly about that, you know, because what I found that as long as I've been in this business and, and you yourself having been in this business, you can really make a phenomenal living doing this, you know, and I explain this to people all the time. When you turn on your television and you see the actors, those are the people that you see, but you're not really thinking about the person that's pointing that camera. You're not thinking about the person that's doing the wardrobe. You're not really thinking about the person that's doing the hair and the makeup. You're not thinking about the person that's actually feeding that cast. Those are all jobs. Those are all very well-paying jobs. So what I wanted to do with the nonprofit was to steer young people, and especially young people of color, into, you know, those areas because everyone is not built for a four-year white-collar degree. Correct. You know, a lot of young people are very creative, and, you know, they really don't have an outlet because everyone's always shoving down their throat. You got to go to school. You got to get a degree. You got to do this. You got to do that. Whereas what we're telling them is, yeah, that's fine. You know, look, both of my daughters graduated from college. I just went to my, my, my youngest daughter's graduation last week. And she actually, you know, got a degree in um, communications and media. But there is nothing wrong with going into a very well-paying trade to pay your bills. Right. And, and that is what I wanted to really stress with the, um, with, with the nonprofit, that you can make a phenomenal living and have an awesome career and no one would ever get to see your face. Is it the lack of understanding or appreciation for what you're trying to bring um, that you're getting from the community, or is it from the corporate sponsors, or is it both? It's a little bit of all of that because, you know, as far as corporate sponsors, there are no corporate sponsors. Yeah, everything that we do is based on, you know, our hustle. But as far as the community is concerned, when you start talking about the arts, that's all, you know, they, they just see the acting part. They're not really thinking about the technical aspects of filmmaking or doing a news show and things like that. You know, they, they, they basically, all that they see is the actors. Oh, I don't want my kids. I don't want my kids doing that. And you're sitting there saying, are you aware of the amount of money <laughs> and, you know, that they could make actually doing these types of jobs? So it's right. basically you're trying to educate people on the fact that, hey, your son or your daughter might not want to go to school to get a business degree. They may have a passion in another direction, which you really should be cultivating because this is what I would tell my kids from a very young age. There's nothing worse than getting up going somewhere you don't want to go. There is nothing worse. And their mom stresses that as well. And luckily, you know, for them, they found careers, you know, that they really love. So what I want to do is I want to steer these young people into something that when they wake up in the morning, they're excited to go. They're excited to go to work. They're like, wow, man, I can't believe that people actually pay me to do this. That, I think, is one of the things that seems to be missing, uh, especially when you're talking about the millennials and the younger mm -hmm. generation. Uh, it just seems to be missing that folks aren't necessarily steering them in that direction. Right. You know, they're kind of, uh, and I really don't understand why, but they're still kind of in this antiquated mindset that 
typical or standard nine to five, going to college and getting you a four year degree or something like that is mm-hmm. the way of the future when in reality that's not really true. I mean, all the studies show those degrees and things like that, they're kind of waning off the value of them anyway, it's kind of waning off. And right. uh with the technology and technological advances, it's reshaping the landscape quicker than people realize. So for example, you own the podcast, but the podcast is part of a larger mechanism, a uh, larger platform, which is an online masterclass that I developed based mm. around my experiences in making my first feature film. And so because of that experience, I learned way more than I probably would have learned in film school. You know, I actually mm-hmm. went through film school, but I learned way more than I would have just simply from having gone through that process, right? But then in turn, I developed a slew of industry relationships and contacts, and I took their information, their knowledge, their feedback to help shape and develop what became this online masterclass or course, if you will, right? But Mm -hmm. the biggest thing is I've learned in talking with other filmmakers that I have coached and mentored throughout the years, they mm-hmm. can go and spend. I mean, here in Atlanta, we have tons of filmmakers, as you you know, obviously can expect, being that we're right. such a big you know a hub for production. But I meet students literally all the time. They're spending fifty, seventy-five, a hundred k a year for mm-hmm. film school. That if mm-hmm. they took that money and invested even a small percentage of that money to gain mm-hmm. the same degree of information and then mm-hmm. have some money left over to actually put into making their film and have money into marketing their film and have money into being able to travel to those venues where they need to be able to sell their film, that would be worlds right. better off, you know? So I just think yes. that to say you're spot on in what you're saying, at least from my opinion, because it's not the traditional nine-to-five that people understand and expect. It's not traditional four-year school and then your two years of getting your graduate degree or whatnot. That way, yes, it still works for some. Yes, it Mm -hmm. still works for certain industries. But what I'm saying is that paradigm is shifted. It's not shifting. It has shifted so that now there's a lot more opportunity that's open and available if folks can understand and get that education that you're offering to say, hey, look, how do I move into this other lane? You're absolutely right. And that is what we're doing our best to tell people and to educate them on. And I will use myself as an example. I have never stepped foot inside a film school, ever. And this is how I started out. My youngest daughter was in kindergarten. Her classmate's mom came over because she lived on the next uh, cul-de-sac over. And she came over one day and she said, you know what? You could be a model. Because back then, you know, I, I wore the locks and, you know, all that stuff, and I looked a lot different. She said, you could be a model. So I went to one of these model places where they basically, you know, took me for all my money. But it still turned out to be a blessing because I ended up going to uh, John Robert Powers, and that basically started me on my way. Now, they have a competition in New York called the MAII, and every single agent's table that I went to kept saying one thing. Are you an actor? Are you an actor? Are you an actor? And I'm sitting here trying to be a model. And everybody kept saying, you're not an actor. And I'm like, no. So I said, well, you know what? Maybe that's the universe trying to tell me something. And to make a long story short, I started, you know, doing student films, uh, short films, things like that. Started writing my own material. Started shooting my own material. 
started doing stage plays, which were pretty successful, you know, here. And then after that, I decided years after that, you know, doing um, regional commercials, radio ads, voiceovers, and things like that, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to start me a film festival. And that's 15 years later. Hmm. But I've never been to film school. So now, if someone who never went to film school can have a pretty successful festival, you know, despite all the hiccups, it's, it's pretty damn successful in, 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 in Philadelphia. If I can do that, what could you have done with that money that you're giving to somebody else? You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. A quick reminder, if you haven't signed up for the free webinar yet, pause what you're doing, open a new window on your phone or computer, go to theexpertprocess.com and join now. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. Yes, I agree 100%. You know what? That is, I think, one of the biggest um, challenges that we have in trying to help shape the general consciousness of Mm -hmm. the younger folks because what they see is and what they think is the old paradigm is what they know that works, but it works for certain people. I mean, these are folks that are established, man. I mean, you know, you go to USC film school or something like that, or, you know, you go to uh, what, NYC Film School or something, or, mm-hmm. you know, here it's uh, UGA and SCAD are probably the two big programs here. But, um, okay. you know, you go and drop, as I said, man, you drop 75 grand a year for three years wow. in a row. You're coming out, you're 200 plus grand in debt. And that doesn't right. include a master's. That's, that doesn't include your MFA, Ooh. you know. And I know because I've gone over there and done guest lectures at these places and talked to them about coming on as faculty and whatnot. Even still, I'm exposed to the kids. I'm talking to them, and I'm seeing the debt that they're racking up. And unless they know how to utilize that degree to their advantage and get that job, which probably eight times out of ten they don't, they get out, and they don't even realize the value of that degree and how you use it, right? Right. Because here's the thing. This is what I had to share with a good friend of mine. He got his MFA from uh, NYU. And I explained to him, I said, dude, the reason for your degree, understand, it puts you into an elite circle of folks. All of the other alumni, they're also now heads of festivals. They're heads of different departments and different creative agencies. They're heads of this and heads of that. That's now your network of people. You can call them and contact them directly because you're an alumni. That's the benefit of that. You call it what it is, man. You're paying for that. It's the access, yes. You know, that's the thing that I think is really being missed is if you're going to spend that kind of money, really all you're doing is you're spending the money to advance yourself forward. Well, then you've got to know how to take advantage of it, and that's not really being taught in those schools. Now, from my side of it, I've learned the corporate side and having worked in corporate for so long and then learning the indie side of it and then learning how to bridge that gap. And that is, I think, my greatest strength is just knowing how to bridge the gap, how to take someone by the hand who has an idea and walk them through the entire process to say, you know what, this is what you need to do going along the way. This is what you need to do as you're producing this. This is what you need to do to set yourself up for success so that we're already thinking six months down the road, once the film is done, now this is how you approach getting into the festivals, 
or getting into the film markets, getting your film sold, getting your film picked up, marketing your film, distributing your film, you know, all these different things that most filmmakers don't even have a clue or don't think about from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Now, what you just described is the business. It's the business. And, oh, my gosh. I preach... I, I, I scream this all the time. There's, there's a, uh, a lady that I follow on Facebook. I don't know if, if you've heard of her. Her name is Tanya Kersey. Yes. So yeah, so that's the, been, the group that we're both associated with. Breakthrough Filmmaker Success. Her, yes. 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 I have been following her for years. Okay. And I learned a lot from her. And some of the things that I've learned, I've incorporated into, you know, my award show and how I do business. And you know, listening to a lot of podcasts, and you nailed it. The the one thing that a lot of these filmmakers, the ones that are coming out of school, the ones that are veterans, the one thing that they are not getting that is hurting them and is just holding them back is the fact that this is a business. It is a business. No one cares how good your film is. It's a business. And if you are not business savvy, if you don't know how to do everything that you just eloquently laid out, your phenomenal film will sit there and collect dust. Right. And most people are like, well, I'm an artist. And it's another gentleman that I follow. And if you don't follow him, I highly, every, any filmmaker that is listening to the sound of my voice, you need to follow this guy. His name is Alex Ferrari in the film hustle. I'm going to say his name again. His name is Alex Ferrari, Indie Film Hustle. If you are trying to learn the business of filmmaking, and you need to follow him. He has a podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it every day. But he talks about the business side. Now, I, you know, I would talk about this before I started listening, listening to him, but he just really hones in on what, filmmakers are not doing and he talks about filmmaking and approaching filmmaking from an entrepreneurial standpoint and mindset most filmmakers just want to make the film and and get into festivals okay that's fine but do you have a plan for that do you have a strategy for that and what about after the festival you can't keep submitting it to festivals How, how is your film going to make money for you that's right do you have any you know any ancillary income that you're going to do with that film after it has its festival run. What are you going to do with it? There, there are so many different ways that you can make money and, 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 and make a living. But if you are not learning the business side of it, what about distribution? There are, there are, are, are you know, a, a myriad of ways that you can distribute your film. There's not only one way to distribute your film anymore. You right. have multiple streaming platforms. So filmmakers need to learn the business. There's a reason why the business word is bigger than the show word, because without the business, you have no show. And so you have all of these filmmakers coming out of these schools with stars in their eyes. And they're like, I'm going to be the next. And the, the percentage of the ones that actually make it is pretty small, but it doesn't, well, it doesn't have to be. Well, Floyd, if you think of it this way, it, I, I equate that to college athletes going mm-hmm. to college, 
they're going through, you know, all the D1, D2, D3 schools or whatever, right? Right. And, you know, they're going into these programs thinking that they're going to come out and they're going to go professional. They're going to go pro. Right. Right? It's the same thing. It's like, what, 1%, 2% of those actually get to go pro? The rest of them, if they have not planned for their future, they mm-hmm. may get a degree. They may not, but they'll get a degree and don't have any idea what to do with it. It's the same thing, same kind of mindset. And it requires work to change that mindset. That's what I'm running up against. It yep. requires work to change the mindset to help filmmakers understand that, as you just said, it's not just the film. Everybody thinks, well, it's the story. Well, you know, you got a strong story, then it'll find an audience. And that might be true to an extent. But that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that it's going to be successful. And that's what filmmakers need to understand. It's going to take them to the next level and have get your next opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 and it took me years to learn that the business part was as important, if not more important, than the actual film side. Yes. You know, I mean, you, you look, okay. If you don't know the business of film, you will not succeed. You're not going anywhere. It's just the way it's set up. If you don't know the business, and I stress that to everyone listening, if you are a filmmaker and you're taking someone else's money and they are entrusting you with their money, it behooves you to learn the business so that the people that are actually giving you their hard-earned money and they're entrusting you with that, they know it's in good hands. Because I've made investments, and I mean thousands of dollars, and my wife still talks about it to this day, back when I didn't know anything. Thousands of dollars that I will never see again. Right. Ever see again. Man, she still talks about it. And she's like, (laughs) I'm never doing that again. And I'm like, yo, you told me that on multiple occasions. She's like, well, I'm telling you again, I'm not. But that's because, you know, I was all like, oh, you know, well, he's known in this and, and, and everybody knows him and he's been in films and blah, 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 and it's going to work. And we wrote him that check and that was it. That was it. So if you are not educating yourself on the business aspect of this business, you are doing yourself a disservice. You really are. And with that, when you're making a film, are you really looking at who you're going to make that film for? Are you doing your comparables? Are you looking at that, that sci-fi film that was an indie sci-fi film? And are you measuring what you're about to do against that and how well that did? Because a lot of times filmmakers are like, well, I'm just going to make a film because I'm an artist. Okay. But what happens when you can't get your money back? And what happens when you lose all your money? Well, what happens when you can't get distribution? Now what? See, that's all about the business. Well, I'm just going to make a film. Really? You've got to be smart about it. You can't just say, well, I'm going to make a film. Now, if you're just doing it as a hobby, that's cool. But if you're doing this where you're looking to make money, you're looking to get into festivals, the film has to have production value. That's it has right. to be something that people want to see. And it has to be something that's actually going to sell. If you're going to a distributor, if you're going to a streaming service, it's going to actually have to be something that they can put on their platform knowing that they can make money. But if you're just doing it for the art and you strictly want to do it for the art, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if you're entering to this talk about you trying to make some money, then you better learn how this is done the right way. 
or, you, you know, you're going to be A out and you're going to have a lot of pissed off people that you told they will get a little bit of cheddar off your film. <laughs> and, and they're not seeing a dime. It's a business. People really need to understand that. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. Recently, I read an article about student enrollment in traditional colleges is way down, and online course enrollment is through the roof. With podcasts like this, you not only get free developmental information, you also get access to resources you wouldn't have otherwise. But if you really want to take your film game to the next level, you should consider taking my online masterclass. It's 42 online video modules for more than 50 hours of self-study, complete with a full suite of resources. It's also live coaching and instruction from me and other industry professionals. People say, but Durante, why are you doing this? And I tell them, it's just my way of giving back. So if you're serious about wanting to level up your film game, register for the free informational webinar today at theexpertprocess.com. Again, If you want to write a script, make a movie, sell a movie, or just learn how to get into the industry, this webinar is for you. I want to keep the groups fairly small. So sign up today because space is truly limited. Go to theexpertprocess.com and register today. Now, on to the show. So on that note, uh, two things. One, some years ago, probably, let's see, this is 2020 now. So I'm going to guess and say about 20 years ago now, which sounds incredible to say this, but about 20 years ago now, I met Melvin and Mario Van Peebles. They were here mm. in Atlanta, and they were doing um, some sort of workshop with respect to, I think, a film that they had released or something like that. Now, Mario is a lot more, mm, probably the word to use is nicer, I should say, a little nicer about how he says stuff, right? Okay. Melvin, his dad, on the other hand, is direct. He's direct, mm. borderline harsh. You know, if you're a sensitive type person, right? <laughs> you know, he comes he comes at you uh, for the juggler, man. He, just, he comes mm. right down to you. And one of the things that he said, I recall this as clear as day. Maybe not 20 years, maybe 15 years ago, but I recall this as clear as day because I had a script that. I was trying to get funding for, and we were looking for like $20 million. Now, mind you, I had not mm. done my first film, okay? Mm. But I was certain, and granted, now, I had experience in the corporate world and knew how to raise mm. money and stuff like that. But nonetheless, I had not raised that kind of money before. So he just right. says flat out, he says, look, all you guys sitting here right now who have your head up your behind and you think that you're going to be able to go out and raise millions of dollars, Without ever mm-hmm. having made your first thing, you need to understand it doesn't work like that. My first film, I put my own money behind it. Spike Lee's first film, he put his own money behind it. Do you want to know how much money I spent? I raised $100,000 of my own money and put my own money behind it, right? And so he's explaining this. So understand, whatever you've got, use your money to make your film and show these investors that you have the skill to do it first. He said, nobody's going to run and put money behind you, especially not millions of dollars if you're not proven. That registered with me. I took that to heart. And from that day forward, my ambition and my motivation shifted to say, you know what? If I cannot get the investors at a worst case scenario, I'm still going to make my film, but we're going to do it in a way that it's going to be realistic for the money that I have. That's the thing that I would say, you know, you're spot on in what you're saying about the inside of the business piece of it. One other point I was going to make, there's um, 
everybody knows the the con film festival, con film market, right? Well, the yeah. con film festival has the con film market. There's the festival component, which is all the glitz and glamour, right? That's what, you know, you see all the celebrities go over there for and stuff like that. They're marketing their films. But then there's the market side of it, which is where films are sold, bought and mm -hmm. sold, right? The market side of it, a filmmaker like yourself or like myself, our films can get there. We can get uh, what you call exhibited there, but it has to be taken mm -hmm. by a distributor, right? Right. So I was fortunate enough to meet a distributor back in uh, 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, that um, I'm, I formed a relationship with that actually took my film, Prosper, and got it into the con film market, right, which was a Ooh, big deal. Okay. But by doing that, that opened all kinds of doors that are still reverberating to this day. Now, that's been six years ago. And I'm mm -hmm. still getting these opportunities simply from having had that opportunity to get my film out there and get it exposed. So, for example, there's a um, platform called Sanando. So Sanando, what it does is they are the organization that run all of the major film festivals and film markets. So there's, I think, there are 10 major film markets and like 20 major film festivals. So you're talking about the South by Southwest Film Festival, Sundance, okay. all those guys, right? The uh, Toronto International, the uh, Telluride, all of those, right? The major film festivals all across the globe and then the major film markets, they run all of that through their platform, right? Now, because of this relationship, I've been in contact with these folks in the last, I don't know, last eight weeks or something like that. Oh, wow. And they're instructing me on what it is they're looking for to get new producers on their platform, right? Mm. They're telling me, like, hey, look, we have issues trying to get into the American market or the actually what they say is the North American market, right? The reason is, and this is what I'm getting from other distributors, if you go back and listen to, let's say, the previous 10 episodes of the podcast. Several of the guests have been either distributors or buyers or something like that. Mm -hmm. And what they talk about is the lack of development and the lack of quality coming out of the U.S. for films mm -hmm. that are being made and developed, right? A big chunk of the reason in that is these filmmakers don't understand the business side of it. And then right. when I'm talking with these folks with Sanando, understanding they originated with the con film market. So they're actually under the con film festival and film market. And while I'm talking with these folks, and they're saying, well, the, our problem is, Mr. Smith, the films that are coming out of the U.S., they don't qualify to get on the platform because the business mm -hmm. is not set up right. I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, this is amazing. They're like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's like there are just certain stipulations, certain things that you have to have in place right. with your film production company before the film would ever be a consideration. Right. And so these are things that I've learned over time and even things that I'm still learning. But I'm trying to take this information, share it with, you know, with these filmmakers to say, hey, look, we can broaden our opportunity. We can broaden our yeah. horizon. And the space is big enough for all of it. You Absolutely. know, there's room at the table. But you have to do it right, man. You've yeah. got to know the tools. You've got to learn the tools. You've got to get access to the tools. That's what, you know, like you're saying, you listen to the podcast, I listen to the podcast. They make resources available to you. They give you information and stuff that you may mm -hmm. not be privy to otherwise, but it's then mm -hmm. incumbent on you to take that information and actually use it and to execute with it and to, you know, better tweak what you're doing to have more opportunity of success. Yeah. 
You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. A quick reminder, if you haven't signed up for the free webinar yet, pause what you're doing, open a new window on your phone or computer, go to theexpertprocess.com and join now. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. But you know what it boils down to a lot of times? Laziness, because they want someone else to do all the legwork for them. It's your work. It's your work. But you want me to do all the work for you when it's yours. Now, what you just laid out as a filmmaker in today's market, and then the way the way things are set up today and it's changing so rapidly, and this is something that I have never understood. I've never been able to wrap my head around it when I was actually, when I was making uh, films, when I was doing stage plays and, you know, people would inbox me, Hey, uh, do you have uh, a casting? And I'm saying to myself, you know, if you're an actor, why are you not on backstage? Right. Why are you not on now casting? Why are you, why are you not on, on, on film.org looking to see if I have, why are you trying to contact me for me to tell you, yeah, that's something that, why are you not looking for this? That's your job. You're an actor. That's what you're supposed to do. When I had an agent, she was like, look, you're, you're going to still have to go out there and, and, and get yours. You know, I can see you want auditions, but you're going to, you know, still go out there and get yours. And a lot of these filmmakers will not take the time to learn, to listen, to read, to see what would it take for me to get my film in a cons film market. You see them all on Facebook. Yo, I'm trying to go to Sundance. I'm trying to go to cons. And you have absolutely no idea what it takes to get there. But you're on Facebook posting about it. You're faking the funk. So, you know, if you're really serious about doing the work, then do the work. And so many filmmakers don't want to do the work. And I'll give you a, a, a quick story. Last year, a friend of mine, her niece, is a manager and she manages this really good this really good rap group so i i I told her about the show and she said oh well we have a music video i said well you know you could you could submit it and the music video was phenomenal and they they were actually nominated so as a part of the nomination process you had to send us two dvds for screen she never sent them listen to me i'm calling my friends and I'm saying, um, such and such, uh, I'm still waiting on the stuff. And, every, and see, I normally don't do that. But because I know your people, and we've known each other for a long time, I'm going to extend that to you. Because normally I would be like, well, we asked you for it, you didn't send it to us, fine, you're disqualified, I'm not even you know, going to bother with it. But because I knew your people, I called them. So she said, I'm going to make a phone call. She calls the girl's mother and says, well, Floyd is waiting on the materials for, for the award show. Do you know what that girl says? Why can't he just download it? Oh, no. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm saying to myself, now, wait a minute. I'm the founder. I'm the creator. I'm the owner. I write the checks. And this young lady says to her, well, why can't he just download it? So now you're asking the owner of the festival to do your work. And that's what it is. You have so many of these filmmakers, like, why, why won't somebody else do the work for me? Mm. Which makes absolutely no sense. 
You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. I want to share something with you guys. Most of you probably don't know I'm a single parent of a beautiful seven-year-old little girl. I won't go into details about really any of that because it's not relevant. But as a single parent, a single dad with a vision to mold his daughter's outlook, I sat her down and we discussed how she could build her own brand, develop her own TV shows as really it's a new day. She can do what she wants to do. So we just released our first few pieces of her apparel brand, Madison Lauren, and we're launching her YouTube channel next week. You do realize you can play YouTube through your television set, through your smart TV app, Roku, or really any other set-top device now, right? So, in an effort to support my seven-year-old aspiring model, aspiring filmmaker, aspiring chef, and aspiring climate activist, I ask you to follow her at Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or visit her website for great gift ideas at Thrifty. Lil Diva, that's T-H-R-I-F-T-Y-L-I-L-D-I-V-A dot me. So again, that's Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or Thrifty Lil Diva, that's T-H-R-I-F-T-Y-L-I-L-D-I-V-A dot me. Thrifty Lil Diva dot me. Okay, Madison, what's your motto? We love you just the way you are. They grow up so fast. Oh, daddy. <laughs> now back to the show. I'm not trying to get the film in the cons. You are. So, look, if you can be on your phone all day on Instagram, on Snapchat, on WhatsApp, Facebook, and if you can spend hours and hours and hours a day on those platforms, then you can set aside some time to do some required reading that will help elevate and level you up. I don't Agreed. understand why people don't do that. I just, I don't get it, you know? And then when they come, they may come to you because I'm sure you get inboxes all the time with people asking you questions and you're sitting there saying to yourself, now this information is readily available, but they're coming to me for it when they should be looking for it for themselves. You know, now you don't mind helping people, but if it's, your thing that we're talking about and you're trying to better yourself, that's something you, that's something I always did when I was an actor. You know, I read books. I did what I had to do with it. You're right, man. To your point, uh, I got so much of that, the inboxes, the emails, mm-hmm. the, you know, you get hit up for it all the time, especially being here in Atlanta. Atlanta has such a large film community. You know, after having gotten that for so much and then as i say you know going in and speaking at the the colleges and doing the panels and all this other stuff i just realized and in fact i actually had a couple of friends of mine in particular who pushed me they're like dude put together your course man and that way those folks that are asking you now you can Mm -hmm. direct them to this i'm gonna be honest with you man i was a little gun shy on doing that at first because there's so many people out there putting out courses and that's like a new thing or whatever but I took a step back and I said, you know what? I have a lot to offer these cats, man, because I'm very thorough in what I do. I'm thorough in, in my approach. I'm thorough in my strategy from start to finish. I documented all the stuff that we did intentionally when we were making the film. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, after the fact, how I was able to get. Now, 
I got this film, as I told you, into the con market, but we mm. also got into, I don't know, maybe seven or eight or ten other film festivals and won some awards wow. and stuff like that. But honestly, the biggest thing for me was getting into movie theaters. We got into, uh, mm. it was 36 theaters in, uh, 36 theaters in 20 cities, I think, and seven states. Wow. And we wow. had a three-week run in October. Yeah, at that time, we were stacked up against, uh, this is back when Annabelle first came out. So mm -hmm. Annabelle was our direct competition because this is a horror film. Well, it's, right. it's in the horror genre. We were actually outperforming Annabelle at some of those theaters. And to see that, considering the fact, you know, I told you, well, let's, let's back up for a moment. I made this movie initially on less than $5,000, okay? I went Ooh. back and raised another roughly $15,000. So we're twenty grand all in. This was visual mm -hmm. effects sound mastering, I mean, the entire nine, man, to have this thing, you know, done when we originally had a budget of $2.5 million. So you scale mm. from $2.5 million all the way down to $20,000, you have a film that goes out and performs that tells you it's not arbitrary, it's not by accident. All of that stuff was able to be accomplished because I had a very strategic game plan in place and we followed it, you know? And another thing is, it's not just me. Your film is composed of a team of people, what you mentioned earlier. You have all the people below the line that you rarely see get the credit. It's always mm -hmm. above the line that's the producers and the writer and the director and cinematographer. It's all those people you see really get credit in the show. But it's all those right. folks, man, that litany of other 10, 15, 20, 30 individuals that are below the line that they don't get the notoriety, but in reality, the film doesn't get done without them. Indeed, it takes a team. Floyd, why don't you tell us more about where we can find IFAP, and we'll close out this part of the episode. Just Google the IFAP Film Awards. Yeah. All of our stuff comes up from the last four years. Basically, an acronym for the Independent Film Association of Philadelphia. That was Floyd Marshall Jr., founder of the Independent Film Association of Philadelphia Film Awards, or also known as the IFAP Film Awards. A big thanks to my friend Floyd for coming on the show. To learn more, you can find Floyd at ifapfilmawards.com. And a special thank you to you, my listener, for following along with us at the Expert Process Podcast. Please bear with us as we continue to grow and fine-tune the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to reach out with any suggestions, show ideas, or guest referrals. You can email me at smith.durante at gmail.com. Again, that's smith.durante, D-E-R-O-N-T-E, at gmail.com. And as always, love, peace, and fish grease. And I'm out. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. For only the best show notes, links, classes, and more, go to theexpertprocess.com or follow us on Facebook at The Expert Process or hit us up on Instagram at The Expert Process. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share.